Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag real talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to episode 49 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello, and welcome back. You are listening to episode 49 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. It's Christina Anderson, pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist. And today we're going to talk about um, another pretty controversial topic in the gymnastics world. And that is whether or not carbohydrates are necessarily the gymnast friend or foe. I would say that these days collectively, kind of as a culture, especially within um, sectors of sport culture, oftentimes the term carbohydrate or carb is practically synonymous with profanity. Um, And this term has different meanings to individuals, whether you are an analytical chemist or a personal trainer or a registered dietitian. Um, I can say personally, as a reformed carbophobe, Um, We're going to explore both sides of the coin today, and hopefully by the end of today's episode, you'll understand why adequate carbohydrate is essential to fueling the gymnast. Um, And a little bit more backstory, I am not really sure if I've shared this on the podcast or not, but my actually early years, um, my early training as a registered dietitian um, was actually at a pediatric endocrinology clinic. So my first job um, out of my dietetic internship, which I, which I did at Duke. Um, I was then hired by the University of Oklahoma, their pediatric diabetes and endocrinology clinic um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I worked there for three years as a dietitian and a diabetes educator. And it took me um, 2,000 hours of supervised practice, um, which took about two years and a big board exam to get certified as um, what used to be called a certified diabetes educator, Um, They now have added a couple other words to the title. And so the credentials now like five letters, I think instead of three. Um, But all that to say, I used to live and breathe carbohydrates, blood sugar, insulin, and all the things. Um, I would see most of the athletes in the clinic um, that had type one diabetes because that aspect of blood sugar management and insulin dosing and medical nutrition therapy is kind of my bread and butter with sport nutrition and sports performance. Um, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it because if you don't know this about me, I'm a, a big super nerd. Um, but I, since I started the virtual practice, um, I've only worked with a handful of gymnasts who have type one diabetes only because I feel like, um, that condition often needs to be managed in kind of a team setting. So especially for, um, pediatrics, you know, often they go to an endocrinology clinic where there's the physicians, the endocrinologists, um, nurse educators, dietitians, there's kind of everyone that they need. Um, cause there's often just a lot of continuity of care and, and management and monitoring that goes on. So all that to say, I feel pretty qualified to talk about this topic. Um, in, in addition to that, 
I did my master's of science in nutrition and I did my thesis um, as actually a clinical trial. Um, We developed a study in young adults with type 1 diabetes comparing a low carb diet versus kind of a standard diet. And we looked at blood sugar management. We used continuous glucose monitoring. We looked at a bunch of labs and lipid profiles. Um, And kind of the results of that are certainly uh, a story for another day. But I want to give you guys just a really good education today because I think there's just so much misinformation. And I can say that personally, as a gymnast, um, I was terrified of carbs. I mean, I, I feel like that was kind of the first food group, I I think I really heard kind of demonized. And, you know, oftentimes when I was a gymnast, if any Olympic gymnast would do like fluff pieces that would air before trials or Olympics, and if they asked them about their diet, more often than not, these gymnasts would say, oh yeah, I, I only eat clean, or I, you know, only eat chicken and green beans for lunch, or I only eat, you know, fruit and chicken for breakfast or whatever it is. Like you would never hear them say, I eat bread or I eat a sandwich or I eat cookies. And so it made sense as a gymnast. I was like, oh, well, clearly if the best in the world don't eat carbs, then that must be correct for me if I want to be at that level. And I can say that that's not true. Um, And what I think everyone needs to understand, especially with just today's social media culture, is that it's all a bunch of lies and smoke and mirrors. You know, when these elite or college gymnasts do interviews where they're, you know, asked what they eat in a day and they're sharing it, they are not going to tell you that they ate a crumble cookie at 12 o'clock at night because they were so hungry that they couldn't sleep. Or they're not going to share about their struggles with binging or whatever, because that's just not what you share in terms of news interviews and that kind of thing. So I I think the comparison game is really dangerous. And that's one reason I try to be really careful with what I share on social media, because I know that young eyes are watching and young ears are listening. Um, and I just don't want to cause gymnasts to, to ever struggle. And I think to that vein, I think it's really important that parents and coaches understand the science of nutrition, that they're not just regurgitating sound bites that they see on TikTok or an Insta reel without really knowing Um, the science behind it, but also the context. And I think anytime we have a discussion about diets or trends or fads or whatever, context is probably the number one word when it comes to nutrition, because um, there will always be situations where something might be healthier or something um, might be not as helpful or, or whatever, not just because of inherently what it is, but really because of the intention and because of, of the context kind of surrounding what's going on. So with that, I want to start with the science of what is a carbohydrate. So carbohydrates are one of the three main macronutrients in our diet. So carbohydrates, fat, and protein, these are what we call the macronutrients. So all foods are comprised of various amounts of these three macronutrients. Um, And if we're going to get really technical, carbohydrates are um, organic molecules. And when I say organic, I don't just mean like organically grown without pesticides. I mean like organic chemistry. So that means that they're composed of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Um, And carbohydrates are typically found as either simple sugars, which are either single sugar molecule or two molecules together. So like glucose or fructose um, or something like sucrose, which is a combination of glucose and fructose. Those are what we would call the simple sugars or we have more complex carbohydrate molecules like starches, which are chains of these sugars linked together. Um, so something like starch that you would find in a potato or 
whole grains, something like that. Carbohydrates are the main fuel source in the body. They're the main fuel source for the brain, for the muscles, for every cell in the body. And they're found in vegetables, fruits, grains, starches, sweeteners, um, all in various amounts. We also find really small amounts of carbohydrate in nuts and even meat or protein. And the reason we find very small amounts in protein is because um, often like chicken or beef or fish, it's actually a muscle and your muscles contain glycogen, which is um, the storage form of carbohydrate. So I think when we're looking at carbohydrates, there is certainly a spectrum in terms of what I'm going to call carbohydrate density. So on one end of the spectrum of very low density, so low energy, low sugar, we would have things like vegetables where technically they are carbohydrates, but they're mostly water, they're mostly fiber, and they don't give us a ton of energy or calories. On the other end of the spectrum, we would have very dense carbohydrates. So things that do contain a lot of energy, which is good. We need that. Um, and this would be in things like starches, grains, and sugars. I can say that all of these carbohydrates play a role in the gymnast diet, especially when we're fueling high-level gymnasts that are training 20 to 30 plus hours a week. So next we can kind of talk a little bit more about carbohydrate quality. Now that you kind of know the science behind the different types of carbs And I have to say, you know, in my experience in the gymnastics world, there's a lot of what I call magical thinking about food, right? There's this notion that if you eat clean foods, that somehow their calories don't count and that you're going to be lean and burn fat and all this stuff. And if you eat foods that are unclean or unhealthy, that somehow, you know, all of those calories from those foods are going to just stick to your body and turn into fat. That is not fundamentally true. I mean, We're not going to get into it today in terms of energy balancing calories in, calories out, but I will say that the second law of thermodynamics holds true. And specifically, when we're looking at carbohydrates, at the end of the day, in terms of digestion and metabolism, all carbohydrates are broken down into their simplest components, which is glucose, and that is used to form ATP or kind of the energy currency of every cell in the body. So your body doesn't know if the glucose, just in simple terms, um, came from a banana or if the glucose came from a sports drink. It's not like those individual most basic building blocks, those sugars, it's not like they're labeled to where it's like, hey, I came from the banana, so I'm healthy, don't store me. Or hey, you know, I came from the sports drink, ooh, I'm not healthy, store me as fat. Like that is not how it works. And yet that is the thought process that is often um, promoted in sport culture and especially gymnastics. Um, I think that right there is why oftentimes gymnasts will hear things like you need to cut the carbs to get lean. Um, Unfortunately, I'm still hearing nonsense about um, college coaches not allowing gymnasts to have carbohydrates at pre-competition dinners, or they take them just to Starbucks for breakfast to eat egg bites, which are just protein and fat and don't have any carbohydrate. Um, This is why coaches will make comments of, watch the carbs or cut the carbs or especially, um, not to stereotype, but there's definitely um, a strong kind of Eastern European influence to where I've worked with a lot of elite and former elite gymnasts who had coaches from these countries and they would just blanketly say to everyone, no white carbs, no carbs, no sugar, potatoes, rice, pasta, you know, none of this, because I think in their minds and probably what they were taught as gymnasts and what they were taught as coaches is that these foods, if you eat them, they will make you quote fat, which is not true, but I will say it took me 
years to kind of wrestle with all of this. And I really didn't come around to the fact that carbs are okay and that they are not inherently fattening or inflammatory or bad for us. When I really understood the science of metabolism, of glycolysis, gluconeogenesis, and how that fits into exercise physiology. What I'm not saying though, is that carbohydrate quality doesn't matter. Of course it does, right? Um, There are differences between a pop tart versus a sweet potato. And while you could have equal amounts that are of the same calories or energy, gram for gram, you know, the fiber content, the micronutrient content is going to be different. And so it's not that our food quality doesn't matter, right? Of course, I want gymnasts to get, um, you know, mostly kind of whole foods that are rich in vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, especially when we think about the training load and we think about the stress on the body. Of course, we need foods that have some of these kind of extra benefits. Um, But at the same time, I think you can get into a lot of trouble when you just blanketly decide like I'm only going to eat clean foods and somewhere along the lines in diet culture and probably bodybuilding dogma, we decided that if you eat clean, that means the only carbs that you can have are brown rice and sweet potatoes and maybe like rice cakes, which is crazy because like if you compare a cup of brown rice with a cup of white rice, it's only two grams of fiber difference, which is honestly pretty insignificant. Yes, there might be a few more micronutrients in the brown rice, um, But again, it doesn't make the white rice bad. And it also doesn't make any sort of processed food, quote, bad. So all food is processed to some degree, but processed foods like bread or granola bars, cereals, these still have nutrition. They still have carbs, protein, fat. They still have micronutrients. And while maybe they have less micronutrients than um, fruits and veggies and whole grains, um, unless the products are fortified, it doesn't mean that they can't still be a part of the gymnast diet. And so that really gets us to the behavior side of this conversation. And as a professional, as a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, I do not recommend putting your gymnast on a low carb diet or only allowing them to eat quote, clean carbohydrates, whatever that like actually means. It's true that, you know, some versions of cleaner foods may have less calories if there's less added sugar or fat, but that's not always the case. And that doesn't necessarily make it better, right? Especially when gymnasts need a lot of calories. I will say that the average gymnast I work with who is training 20 to 25, 30 hours a week, um, when we run various um, basal metabolic rate and energy expenditure equations, it is not uncommon for these gymnasts to need 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 plus calories a day. And that's a lot. And if a gymnast tries to eat perfectly clean and eat that much, they are probably going to be too full from the food volume, from the fiber, um, before they actually get enough nutrition. So in that sense, like that diet wouldn't be healthy for them because if you're not getting enough nutrition, if you are in a deficit, then you're not getting enough nutrition to grow and develop and repair and recover and adapt to training. I think the other behavioral side of this conversation is I think carbohydrates can be really satisfying as a food group. And I know that there's so many like recipes and bloggers and people out there who are constantly trying to healthify certain things, especially, um, I think foods with carbohydrate, right? Like we're putting cauliflower in our oatmeal to make the bowl of oatmeal bigger instead of just eating a bigger serving of oatmeal that you might need, or we're putting butternut squash puree in mac and cheese to, um, kind of increase the volume, to add some vegetables, whatever, 
Um, but here's my take on it, right? I'm not anti-healthy eating, but I think we can look at other cultures like a lot of Europeans, like the French, um, and they really focus on, on food quality, right? They're not constantly trying to healthify foods, right? They eat really nutritious fruits and vegetables and proteins and healthy fats. And then they also eat really delicious pastries and breads and carbohydrates. And so I feel like, especially for your gymnast, the carbohydrate portion of the meal, or at least part of it could be something that lends a lot of satisfaction. And that is really important to a kind of getting them to eat the other foods you want them to eat, right? Like if there's something on their plate, they like, they may be more likely to eat the other things. Um, but the second thing is satisfaction is just a really important part to our eating. So there are a lot of people who believe that um, there are more physiological benefits from low carbohydrate diets or even no carbohydrate diets. But I think you have to keep in mind the potential behavior ramifications from over restricting the diet, right? And I, again, I think anytime you make a nutrition decision for yourself, it's all about intention, context, and the outcome. And I think as a parent, when you're making nutrition decisions for your gymnast or for your children, you need to be able to fast forward the tape. And if it's something that's not helpful for them, you need to pause and reconsider. And I'll give you a really good example of this. So in my master's thesis, right, the clinical trial that we did with young adults looking at their blood sugar control, their lipids, their inflammatory markers on a low carbohydrate diet for 12 weeks versus a standard diet for 12 weeks, um, there actually were some surprising outcomes. So something that I noticed, which actually really bothered me, and it certainly changed my personal philosophies about low carb diets is several of our subjects on the low carb diet. So everyone, it was a, it was a crossover trial. So it was random and half of them started on the low carb diet and the other half started on the standard diet. There was a washout period between the two. Um, and then they crossed over and they repeated the diet that they hadn't done so far. And all of our subjects, you know, they had to have good blood sugar control and diabetes management skills prior to um, the study. And something that was really unexpected is during the low carb diet, some of our subjects started to really binge on certain foods, like uncontrollable binges, especially when they would have um, a low blood sugar or hypoglycemic episode. And for many of them, this was like the first time that that had, that had happened. And that actually really bothered me because I'm like, wait, you know, I understand that on paper, it makes sense to follow um, a really restrictive low carb diet just for better blood sugar control and all the health benefits from that. But if in practice, this is causing these individuals psychological distress, it's causing them to binge and then restrict, then it's, it's not healthy. It's not the healthier choice. And so for a lot of people, um, by actually liberalizing the diet a little bit, if you've been trying to do low carb, and including foods that you enjoy that are satisfying, aka carbohydrates, you might find that it's a lot easier to stick to all the other healthy foods that you are trying to consume. And I would say that, again, you know, carbohydrate quality is a thing. So we do want to choose, you know, mostly carbohydrates that are minimally processed, kind of whole grains, things that support our intake of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and fiber. But at the same time, there is room for some sugar, there's room for some cookies, there is room for some goldfish, which, oh my gosh, anytime I talk about that on Instagram, people lose their minds. Why? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but it's also funny and I'm just going to say it, you know, we, we live in a culture where 
there are such dichotomies, right? Like parents will lose their minds when I say that it's okay if their gymnast can have goldfish and, and yet they think I'm like poisoning their children, yet all the chemicals that they're putting in their bodies and injecting in their bodies and consuming in their bodies, like alcohol is a type of carbohydrate and it is way more toxic to your body and to your liver than the carbohydrate from little orange fish crackers. So anyways, that's not really a discussion for today, but it's a lot. So all that to say, you know, I think we can't ignore the behavioral aspect of nutrition and everyone's going to respond differently to that. You know, like there are some gymnasts where the household eats really clean. They don't have sugar a lot. They don't have desserts a lot. And like the kid is totally fine. You know, they can go to a birthday party and they can enjoy some cookies and they can move on. But I would say most of the time in that situation when gymnasts are over restricted, right, which it's, it's in the name of health, I get it. Um, that actually can create a really dysfunctional relationship with food to where these gymnasts are binging their heads off, you know, when they finally get the chance to eat the quote unquote forbidden foods. So I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the practical application of all of this. And I think the real question of today is, you know, does a gymnast need carbohydrates? And yes, like I said earlier, the body's preferred fuel substrate is carbohydrate. Your brain alone requires an average of 130 grams a day, which is the equivalent to eight slices of bread, just for perspective. Um, it needs this much just to maintain basic life functions. And again, you know, we've got carbohydrates kind of on this spectrum, but neither, neither end of it is good nor bad. Now I will say that the low carb paleo keto camp will say that, well, the brain doesn't need carbs. Right. Um, and here's the deal. If you eat less than 130 grams a day, plus or minus your body first is going to spare some of the endogenous glucose that's just normally circulating in your bloodstream. Um, it's going to use that for the brain before it tries to use the byproducts of protein and fat metabolism, which are called ketones to run on. In terms of the research on ketogenic diets, so typically diets that have um, about 90% of their calories as fat, in terms of the research on that and performance, we know that anaerobic sports, aka gymnastics, do not benefit from this type of diet. And that's because anaerobic sports rely on carbohydrate um, as the main fuel source from the muscles, from the liver to provide power and to fuel these quick bursts of movements and the energy. And fat and protein are just too slow in terms of being a fuel source to power this kind of explosive movement. So I would say that right there is probably the number one reason that I would not recommend a gymnast be on a low carbohydrate diet because it wouldn't provide them the right proportions of carbs, protein, and fat to fuel the kind of workouts that they're doing. Carbohydrate really is the gymnast fuel. And to a lot of people that is shocking because I think often when we think about carbohydrate and athletic performance, we think more runners, marathoners, that kind of thing. But again, we know that the higher intensity a sport is, the more the body is using carbohydrate as the main fuel source. And some signs that your gymnast might not be getting enough carbs in her diet could be just constantly sore, tired, not recovering well. They could complain of just being slow or sluggish or lacking power. They could struggle with endurance. They could make comments like their legs feel really heavy or they feel really heavy. Um, they might not be growing or developing well. They could have hormonal issues like hypothalamic amenorrhea or missing periods, thyroid issues because carbohydrate is the building block of thyroid hormones or is involved at least in the process, as well as also neurotransmitters, which is why um, 
Inadequate carbohydrate can also lend itself to poor mood and emotion regulation, aka hangry gymnasts that are not very coachable. And the real, the real bottom line to this is if gymnasts show up to practice in the morning after a dinner of only chicken and broccoli and then only a protein bar at breakfast, not naming any names here, good luck by the second or third rotation of a grueling four to five hour practice. They are just not going to perform as well as they could if they're not getting sufficient carbohydrate before the workout and then also into workout um, as needed. Now, I'm not saying that our gymnasts should be getting just any kind of carbs all the time, right? From soda, Pop-Tarts, cookies, candy, whatever. Um, It is important that we get adequate carbs, and that is first and foremost. But it is also important that we get a wide variety of foods that will provide us um, not just adequate calories, but also vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, which are all essential for growth, development, recovery, and injury prevention. I'll tell you a good story. A couple years ago, um, I was on this committee with another, um, actually nutritionist. She was not a dietitian and we were having to create this, um, kind of like online nutrition education for gymnastics. And so when we were making our PowerPoints for this kind of online course, um, I remember, you know, her sending her stuff to me and us talking through it. And she had examples of like, what's a good breakfast for a gymnast. And she said, eggs and avocado only. And I was like, no, (laughs) ma'am, which the irony is I was still, I mean, I was a brand new dietitian. I was still struggling with food to some degree. Um, I was working in the endocrinology clinic. I was still very entrenched in the low carb world. And that's kind of left over from my gymnastics career and my own disordered eating. But I at least had the knowledge, like I understood science and physiology and nutrition enough to be like, no, (laughs) eggs and avocado only before a four to five hour practice is not it's not the right kind of fuel. Will your gymnast be hungry after eating that? No, but there's not enough carbohydrate to fuel the kind of workout like gymnastics is. And I'll say that a lot of gymnasts are running on empty as it is. I work with a lot of high level gymnasts who struggle with breakfast. They don't want to eat early in the morning. And that is just going to tank their performance, but it also is going to impact their recovery because what most people don't know is that carbohydrate is protein sparing meaning your body has to have sufficient carbohydrate for fuel. And if it doesn't, then it's going to break down our precious muscle tissue to use as fuel, which is number one, a very inefficient process. But number two, um, that's literally like shooting yourself in the foot, right? Like, why are you going to train for four or five hours to get stronger and to build muscle if you're not fueling your workout to where your body's having to eat itself because you're so underfueled? The other thing that people don't know is that the brain loves carbohydrate. And there's actually a really cool research study that was done a couple years ago where they had two groups of gymnasts that did a really intense beam workout. Um, They were probably what sounded like upper level compulsory optional gymnasts, Um, really intense beam workout. And on day one, they gave them just water and day two of the beam workout, they gave them um, something kind of like a sports drink. So similar to like a six to 8% carbohydrate solution. And the researchers measured the number of balance beam falls. And they found that those who had just water had more falls. They had less um, cognitive performance. They had more wobbles. They had more fatigue. And so the bottom line is that not only are carbohydrates essential to the body, but they're also a cheap and legal ergogenic or energizing nutrition strategy that can be used to level up performance. And that's the whole premise of performance nutrition or fueling pre-intra and post-workout to strategically level up performance. Um, 
If you catch um, an episode previous to this one, which we'll link to in the show notes, all about snack breaks, I talk about this a lot, how there's a big difference between snacking versus fueling and gymnasts need to leverage the power of performance nutrition of the right fuels at the right time in order to gain that competitive advantage and get the most out of their training. So you're probably wondering how much carbohydrate does a gymnast need? And we know from the research that gymnasts need at least five to seven grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrate per day. I will say that that's probably 200, 250, 300, 350 grams of carbohydrate per day, which is a lot. And I would argue that younger gymnasts will need more carbohydrates um, because of their physiology, which is very different than us adults. Their bodies um, metabolize a little bit differently, especially pre-puberty, and they do not have the same capacity that we do to store carbohydrate, which means they just need it at more frequent intervals. The bottom line is that gymnasts need carbohydrates at all meals. And when I see gymnasts that are working with quote unquote nutritionists or personal trainers and they're um, you know, posting pictures of their meals on Instagram and all I see on their plate is chicken and broccoli, um, I die a little inside because number one, I fell in the same trap as a gymnast and I was terrified of carbs. And it was no wonder that even 20, 30 minutes into practice, like basically warmups and basics, I was dying. I mean, everything felt heavy. I was exhausted. I was dizzy. I had headaches all the time. I had no power, even though I tried so hard and, you know, I was the healthiest and the cleanest eater and yet I I had it all wrong. And so the beauty of what we teach gymnasts and parents in the balanced gymnast program is we teach them a really flexible real life method of building meals and snacks based on the needs of the gymnast, their preferences, and the intensity and duration of the workout. And so obviously, the longer the workout, the higher the intensity is, the more carbohydrate that is needed to support performance. And so um, no need for being a short order cook. Everyone can eat the same things, but the gymnast can just adjust their plate as needed. So in summary, I hope you found this, this episode helpful. I hope that you now have a better understanding that carbohydrates are not bad and they're not inherently fattening. And the truth is, especially, you know, considering the second law of thermodynamics is any food in excess, you know, could cause, um, weight gain, you know, if in a long-term surplus, but carbohydrates in and of themselves aren't going to do that. And they're also not addicting. Um, you'd be very, very unlikely to overeat a bowl of straight carbohydrates like flour or sugar. It's often when we add, um, really hyper palatable things like butter, salt, stuff like that, that maybe you have a harder time regulating. But I often find that gymnasts only have a hard time regulating when they are under fueled and they are over restricted because your brain is really smart. And when you're under fueled, the brain knows that carbohydrate is the most important food group. It's the quickest fuel source. It is the most needed fuel source. And so This is why a lot of the gymnasts we work with, their parents will say they're addicted to carbs or addicted to sugar. And it's like, no, they're not. This is just their brain and their body's way of trying to survive, which is good. Like it's a good thing that we're wired for survival. But if you want your gymnast to have a calmer and more peaceful relationship with food and better performance, you have to make sure they're eating enough calorically, but also getting the right balance of macronutrients to support their training and performance. So With that, um, as always, if you learned something new, if you appreciate um, this passion project of mine, I would so appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review over on iTunes. This is a great way to promote the podcast, especially as this is a free resource that I often 
um, record on my weekends for you all because it's it's really important to me that the gymnastics community gets solid evidence-based nutrition advice that honestly has been missing from this sport for, for decades. So with that, um, stay tuned for a lot more exciting episodes over this summer, um, really practical, tangible things and questions that you've been asking me that um, I want to give you kind of some longer form answers than just uh, Insta story. Um, and this podcast is exactly where to find that. So with that, I wish you all well, and I will talk with you next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast sponsored by the Balanced Gymnast Method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at christinaandersonrdn.com, share what's going on and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, christinaandersonrdn.com slash work with us. Bye for now.